your promises towards us are yes and amen. God, that you're faithful. Jesus, we we can look back, each of us in our lives, God, and see your hand of faithfulness, Lord. I I think of that line where it says that you, you broke every curse. Lord, your word says that cursed is the one who hangs on a tree. Jesus, you took all of our sin. You took every curse upon us. You paid the price for us. Lord, there's no weapon formed against us that will prosper is what your word says. So we thank you, God, that all your promises are, are yes and amen. We rejoice in who you are today, Lord Jesus. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. I am so glad to be with all of you. My name is Greg Vaccaro. I'm one of the pastors here. And today we're going to be concluding our series. Hey, good to see you. Today we're going to be concluding our series from surviving to thriving. But before I get into the conclusion, I want to tell you about what's happening next week. So next week we're going to be starting a series from death to life. It's our Easter series. And we're going to be bringing you real testimonies from real people that... that show you evidence of this is what God does in our lives when we turn it over to him. He brings us from death to life. But in Surviving to Thriving, we've covered a number of different topics. I don't know if you've enjoyed this series. I know I've been touched and blessed by it. We've talked about faith. We've talked about fear, about forgiveness, being fortunate, being foolish or wise, being fake or fruitful, friend or foe. And in the tradition of staying with words that begin with F, today we're going to talk about this concept of finally which is just looking at what's going to happen as the end draws near, the, the end of time, right? And, and I remember Mark talked last week about Alias, the TV show. I don't know if you've watched Alias, but you know what? I could relate to that because when I was younger with my older kids, we, I watched Alias with them. And, and I'm a scaredy cat when it comes to watching TV shows, right, or, or movies. I don't like scary parts. And, and there was many times I'd have the pillow up and be like, ah, what's going to happen? Like, I was afraid Sidney Bristow was going to die in every episode, you know? And, and, and I never can have the presence of mind that this is season two. Like, there's five seasons. She's not going to die in season two. So I, I want to ask you, does, like, does it matter to you if, if you know the end of the story? Does it help how scary it is in the middle? You know, and that's frankly one of the things that I love about Hallmark movies, right? So, I mean, Mark talked about Alias. I'm going to talk about Hallmark movies. You always know they're going to end good. Right? You never have to be worried about, oh my gosh, there's a misunderstanding, a falling out, like there's a fight going on. It's, it's always going to end happy and you're going to feel good when you shut the TV off. So I'm just saying, you know, you could have like scare, scary stuff or stuff that's going to end good. But so if we consider that the end, the end of the story matters to how we go through the story, what does it look like if we think about the end of the day? Right? When, when this world comes to an end, what's that going to look like? And, and this morning I've titled the message Red Sky at Night. That'll make more sense to you in a minute. But I believe if we're going to go from surviving to thriving, one of the things we need is we need this eternal perspective. We need to understand that we're not living life for just what we have here on earth. Right? We've, we've often heard the statement, right? what, what we go through here on earth is like a drop in the bucket is what scripture says. So what's the rest of the bucket? The rest of the bucket's eternity. And, and that's something I think so often we, we forget. Now, when you look into the Bible about end times, you're going to see things, you know, Old Testament prophecy, New Testament fulfillment, revelations. We'll talk to you about tribulation. And many scholars have debated all this. And frankly, I'm not talking about any of that this morning. I'm going to be primarily into two chapters, Matthew 24 and Luke 20, 21. And this is just talking about what Jesus had to say about the end times because he had a lot to say. 
But before we get into that, I'm just going to share one verse out of Matthew 16. And the background is this, is the Pharisees and Sadducees are coming to Jesus as they always do, like they've got some way they want to trick him or, or whatever. And, and this day, they're demanding that he shows them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. And Jesus answers them in Matthew 16, 2 to 3, and he says this. He replied, you know the saying, red sky at night means fair weather. Red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. And you know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. Now, have you ever heard that saying, red sky, in the, uh, red sky at night, sailors delight? Red sky in the morning, what? Sailors take warning, right? So we've all heard this. When, when did you hear that? At what, what age? Right? I heard it from when I was very young. It comes from the Bible. So, so we, just like the Pharisees and Sadducees, like we understand how to read the sky and understand what the weather's going to be like. And, and isn't it true? Right? Like it, it really works. If you see a red sky at night, you know the next day is going to be good. You see a red sky in the morning, you know storm is, is on the way. So we, just like the Pharisees, we can see the signs of the times. We understand how to interpret them in the natural. But what about the spiritual? Can we understand what's going on in the spiritual? So we're going to take a little bit of a look at what did Jesus have to say about the end of times and as the, the end would draw near. What were some of the things that were going to happen? So we're going to look here at um, Luke 21. And in Luke 21, it says this. He, uh, actually, 21.5. It says, Some of his disciples began talking about the majestic stonework in the temple and the memorial decorations on the wall. So the disciples in Jesus, they're in the temple this day, and they're looking at the, the temple, and they're just admiring it. And then Jesus comes out with this radical statement, this shocking statement. He goes, the time's going to come when all these things will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. And the disciples are like, here, we're admiring the temple, Jesus, and you've got to ruin it by telling us that it's all going to come crashing down one day? So, so they ask him, teacher, when will all this happen? What sign will show us that these things are about to take place? And then we enter Luke 21, 8 through 11. It says, he replied, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and saying the time has come. But don't believe them. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place first. But the end won't follow immediately. All right, so as we read that verse, maybe you're like me when I was reading it. This year, I'm like, oh my gosh, I never saw this word in the scripture before. Like, what's the word I'm looking at that's shocking to me and probably to you too? Insurrection, right? I've read this scripture so many times. I've never seen the word insurrection like it's become real like it has this year when, hello, we just had an insurrection at the Capitol. So, Jesus, were you telling me like things that, yes, he's telling us things that are going to happen and things that are going to unfold but it's not just the insurrection that, that's, that's meaningful here. It's the next two words. He's saying, don't panic. Right? I, and I wished I had read this right as before that was happening. And, and I tucked it away in my heart. Because as I'm watching the news that day and I'm looking at what's going on, I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is happening? Like, this is just crazy. Is this America we're living in? Or like, what TV channel am I tuned into right now? It's certainly got to be coming from BBC or, or something else overseas. But Jesus said, hey, things like this are going to happen. Don't panic. And, and later on in Luke 21, he shares this. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth. For the powers in heavens will be shaken 
Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up for your salvation is near. You know, and I thought to myself, you ever been at a sporting event, right? Whether it's a football game, a soccer game, a a basketball game. Sometimes Ed, Ed has invited me to go to Celtics games. And, you know, we're all sitting in our seats and then it's like there's a fast break. What happens? Everybody is seating. They stand up and they're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Like you want to see if the guy's going to dunk it. Not to mention the guy in front of you just stood up. So you've got to stand up if you're going to see anything, right? But, but like we stand up because we expect something to happen, right? We stand up because we don't want to miss the action, what's going to happen. And Jesus is saying, when you see all these things going on, that's the time to stand. It's not time to be sitting down. You want to stand And you want to look up. And now I think about this pandemic here. And I think about, okay, you know, a lot of us, I was home last week, just like you're watching from home. What am I doing? I'm sitting in my easy chair, right? Oh, wow, they sound pretty good as they're worshiping. I'm not really entering in like I'm trying. But frankly, it's hard at home to to enter into worship. I understand. If you're here, if you could ever come, like it's so incredible to be back in, in, in in the building. So are we sitting down or are we standing up? Right? Are, are we becoming comfortable? Or are we kind of falling asleep? And like the last thing I ever want to do is fall asleep on Jesus. Right? We, we see what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane where the disciples, Jesus said, hey, could you just pray with me for one hour? And what happened as hard as they would try, they're just, they, couldn't, they couldn't stay awake. And, and now there's this warning that comes. Jesus says, when the Son of Man returns, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time of Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. And this is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So, So the danger is this. The danger is that when we're in the end times, we won't really know it. It'll be just like it was in the days of Noah. What was going on? Everybody's watching. Ah, <laughs> Noah, yeah, build a boat. What do we need a boat for? It doesn't even rain. They, they never had rain before. It, it, before the flood. So, so they're watching Noah. They're seeing it, but they have no understanding of what's going on. And, and Jesus is telling us the same way. We could be living our life and not seeing the signs. And, and just as in the days of Noah, then, boom, the Son of Man's going to come, just like the flood was a surprise to all of them. So later on in Matthew 24, he says this, Keep watch, so you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day the Lord is coming. Are we watching? Do we, do we even recognize and, and believe in our hearts and we're expecting that Jesus is coming back? Like, what is it going to look like when he returns? Right? And as I started to think about, hey, what is that day going to be when, when he returns and I see him face to face, right? This song came to mind. I'm going to take a book out of, uh, out of Ed's playbook here, page, a page out of his playbook. Let's listen to this song for a minute. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk. By your side, I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face 
What do you imagine it would be like? Do we even really spend time thinking about it? That Jesus is coming back one day for, for his bride. He's coming back for me and you. Can, what, what can you imagine it would be like? Right? I, I think about that. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you, will I be still? Will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah or will I be able to speak at all? I I think I know what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be crying. (laughs) I'm going to be speechless in his sight. And I'm just going to start bawling my eyes out going, Jesus, like this is more beautiful than I ever could have imagined. That's what what I'm going to be doing. I can tell it already. But I'd like to dig deeper into this. This concept of keeping watch. Because I think there's something here for us. If, if we're living life to try to keep watch. It's really living with an eternal perspective. Is, is what I want us to take away from this message. And, and I think to live with an eternal perspective. It's as we make decisions or take actions. We consider not only how they're going to impact us today. But how they're going to impact us for eternity. So, so let me give you an example. Meg and I have tried really hard to be intentional in raising our kids. Right? And. And, you know, if you want to raise good kids and you want them to be successful in life, you're, you're thinking about, okay, maybe you graduate from high school. What are you going to do as a trade? Are you going to go to college? What's your profession going to be? And, and when that's your focus, you're asking questions like, hey, how did you do in that test today? Are you studying for your quiz tomorrow? How's this going? And, like, you're very focused on the academics, right? And, and that's what you need to do to, to be successful here on the earth. But what about raising someone for eternity, Right? What does that look? What, what would be different about the questions? You know, the, the questions really become, hey, how did you treat your fellow classmates today? Were, were you the kind one or were you the mean one? Did, when that new kid came into class, were you the person that they went up to them? Were, were you the peacemaker in the middle of an argument or were you the one fueling the argument? Right? And, and it's all those relational things. That's what lasts for eternity. When we get to heaven, God isn't going to ask if you get an A, B, C, D, or F. Right? It won't matter. But all of the things relationally that we've worked through in our lives, that's what we're taking to heaven with us. That's the eternal perspective. So if I can see that with my kids, right, how, how about as I walk through my day, what, what's the eternal perspective? And I want to look at three things this morning that I think might help us focus life on living eternally and, um, and having an eternal perspective. So the first one is this idea of what are we focusing on? So we'll see here in 2 Corinthians 4.18, so... We don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So what's the point? The point is, are we looking at what's seen or are we looking at what's unseen? 
right? We're all faced with the, what we see. We can touch it. We can feel it. We don't have any problem recognizing that. It's the unseen that we have a trouble, trouble seeing sometimes, right? Of course. But God is saying, look deeper. And, and then I think he gives us some practical, practical advice in Matthew six thirty three, where it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. You know, and I remember, how do you work this out practically? I, I remember a time when I was working in high tech as an engineer. I'm, I'm a manager. I've got a team that I'm managing, and then I've got to answer to my bosses. And, and like in high tech, on purpose, they, the schedules are always aggressive because it's all about time to market for the next thing you're going to put out. And you've got to beat the competition. And, and to make that time to market, the schedules are aggressive, and you never have enough people because there's never enough people to go around and, and like, I'm committing to my bosses, hey, we're going to get this done in this amount of time. And then my team's going, Greg, how in the world are we ever going to do this? There's not enough time. What are we working 60 hours a week this week, 70 hours? Like, how many hours can we work? It's just not possible. And, and kind of it's an intentional pressure cooker so that you start thinking more creatively, that you start looking for efficiencies, you start looking at a different way of doing things. And, and that's what makes the world of high tech go round. Right, so I'm in the middle of this pressure cooker and a friend says to me, hey, Greg, why don't you join this Bible study that, that we're starting? And I'm like, join a Bible study? I don't even have time to go to the bathroom during the day, let alone take an hour at lunch. And like, you want me to eat lunch and talk about the Bible? I don't have time. But then they say these three words, would you pray about it? And I'm like, oh, boy. You know, so I, I go and I pray and I say, Lord, what should I do? And I'm thinking, about, okay, is is life really just about going to work and challenging myself and getting all these things done? Or No, it's really more about eternity. So I'm like, of course I've got to go. So I make the time to go. And you know what? When, when you do this live righteously part of this scripture, then God fulfills and he'll give you everything you need. I never missed a deliverable. Uh, we, we, we met all the expectations, but somehow like God, it might seem like it was an hour a week, Greg, like you're talking about, no, an hour a week is a lot when you don't have enough time as it is, right? And, and you, if you're in a high tech world or a pressure job, you understand the situation that it can be to give up some of your time. But my challenge to you is this, are you just going to work? Are you just going about life and doing your thing? To, to meet the goals that are here in the scene? Or are you looking at the unseen? Are you looking at the eternal? And saying, God, I, I want to focus on what I can't see. And I want to do something that's going to last for eternity. Because it's the conversations that we had. It's the ministering to someone's need. It's the inviting a new person into the Bible study. Like that's the stuff that's lasting for eternity. And, and the impact that I would have. You know, God isn't going to ask me, did, did you meet that deliverable? Was the, was the microchip out in time? Like, it's not going to matter when we get to eternity. So what are we focusing on? And then as we're in the focus, you know what? We need to recognize it's a battle. And, and sometimes I feel like it's a battle I can't win. And maybe you feel the same way, like, it's just too hard. I'm tired of fighting the same old, same old. But you know what? It is a battle that we can win. Because 1 Timothy 6, 12 says, fight the good fight for the true faith. Right? In Philippians 2, 13 and 14, it says, God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. And the rest of that verse goes on. It says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. 
You know, and I think about shining as bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. We're, we're all surrounded by darkness. And, and if we're not careful, we can easily fit into that darkness and be dark too. Right? But God has called us, no, to be a light. Like, you've got to be different. And, you know, many of you know that my dad passed away when I was young. And um, I remember a time sitting around the dinner table. It's crazy how sometimes these memories come back to you and, and you don't know why you remember what you remember. But... Remember a time there was five of us kids home, five of the eight were home, and I'm the youngest, so usually I did not say a whole lot at the dinner table. Any youngest kids out there, you know what it's like. Everybody else gets all the talking, right? And um, so we're having a conversation, and my older brothers and sisters are talking about, you know, what's going on at school, and, you know, they're in high school, and I'm in elementary school, right? So it's a, it's a big difference there. And um, my dad makes this comment to them, you know, if you're, if, if you're fitting in really well at school, and you're really popular and everyone likes you, you're probably going in the wrong direction. And I'm sitting there, like in my little mind, I'm going, what is he trying to say? That seems kind of rude. Shouldn't you want to be popular? Shouldn't you want to fit in? And he's like, you know, the word of God says that broad is the way to destruction and narrow is the way to life. So like if everybody's doing it, you're probably going in the wrong direction because you should be swimming the other direction and, and you should be the light. You shouldn't be fitting in with all the other darkness. You should be the light. And, and I think it is a battle that we can win, but we have to recognize we're in a battle. Like you, you never go into a, a battle realizing you're not in one. That would be really dumb, wouldn't it? But we live through life and, and the culture is, is a stream. It's a current that's taking us in one direction and we're kind of going upstream. We're that fish swimming upstream. We can do it because God says he's working in us to give us not only the desire, but the power to do what pleases him. So it's a battle. We can do it, but we need to be aware that it's a battle. And then lastly, if we want to live with an eternal perspective, we've got to recognize it's a choice to do that. And Jesus, as he so eloquently does in, in Matthew 24, he tells us a story about what it's going to look like and, and the differences that, that we could be as we go through the end times. And, and as he tells the story, he contrasts two different servants. So he starts off first, and he says this, a faithful servant, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds the servant has done a good job, there'll be a reward. And I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. Right? So, so on the one hand, we have this faithful, sensible servant. Right? The master goes away and says, hey, I want you to take charge and I want you to run my household. Right? The master's gone. But the servant, he's being faithful. He's being sensible. He's being a good steward. He's doing everything, you know, the way the master would have him to do it. So when the master returns, what happens? The servant's rewarded. He's like, okay, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Right? That's probably where a lot of us want to be. And then Jesus goes on and he contrasts it with the opposite side. He says, but what if a servant is evil and thinks my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servants and partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected. And I'll cut that servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. And in that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, this isn't pretty, right? It's not pretty, but, but let's look at it for a minute and be realistic. You think this servant started off day one when the master left? Ha, ha, ha. I know I can have my fun now. 
right? Cats away, the mice will play. I'm sure he started off being faithful, being sensible. And over time, he's like, I don't know if this guy is ever really going to come back. So let's have a party. You know, and he throws a party and, and boom, you're on the slippery slope. He's having a party. Everybody's having a good time. He's the life of the party. But now they get a little too carried away and now they're getting drunk. And boy, when you're drunk, crazy things can happen. Fellow servants are getting beaten up. And, and it's like one day you wake up like, how did I end up here? What happened? And then without him even understanding what's going on, the master returns unexpected. That's the way it could be at the end of the day. That Jesus would return unexpected, unannounced. And then I don't have to read the rest of the story. It's not pretty, right? None of us want to go down that path. But as I conclude this series, I, I want us to say this. If you want to go from surviving to thriving, having an eternal perspective is so crucial to to looking at life, that we're not just living for the world that we're living in right now. We're living for eternity. And Jesus is saying, we don't have anything to fear. You don't have to panic. Like, these are some of the best days for us as believers. It's exciting. This is a time when we want to stand up and we want to look up and say, God, what is it that you're doing and what have you called me to? But if you're like me, I always have to look at these things and I put myself right in the middle and say, okay, so which one am I like? Am I like the good and faithful servant or how would I know if I'm heading down that path like the wicked servant and I just don't realize it yet? You know, and I would say this. I think if, if you know that you've given your life to Jesus, it's, it's not about Jesus fitting into your life. It's about you fitting into what he has for you, right? That is, is what we're all trying to do when we say we make him our Lord and Savior. And, and once he becomes your Savior, there is an evidence. There is a fruit that comes from the tree. And I think all of us could look at, okay, how am I living the life and what's the fruit that I have, right? If if I've been serving Jesus for this whole past year, do I have more faith? Do I have more peace? Do I have more love? Is my heart filled with more compassion? How about gentleness, self-control? Like these are, this is all fruit of the Spirit. And it's not like, okay, today I'm going to focus on being more compassionate. Oh, can I be compassionate to you and and I'm going to be gentle to you and I'm going to be self-control in this conversation? If you're striving to do it, it's not fruit. Because fruit doesn't, you don't, you don't strive to grow fruit. Fruit just grows. But I think we can all look at our life and say, God, is my life bearing fruit that would say I'm serving you? Or is, or is it not bearing fruit? And, and call that question. Because if, if we're trying to have God fit into our lives, he's not on the throne. We're on the throne. If we're saying, God, I I want to fit into what you have, now he's on the throne. It's all about what is his purpose for my life and for your life, right? So so I think in this whole choice thing, if you're you're concerned, where are you? Well, have you ever settled the question? Have you ever ever settled and said, Jesus, I'm giving you everything that I am? Like, it's not about me uh, trying to have you fit into me. I'm, I'm I'm yours, Lord. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. I'm giving it. But, But now as you live out your life, you should start to see fruit. And if there is no fruit, I think you got to go back to the beginning and call the question. Did you really make him Lord or were you just saying some words and saying a prayer? So as I close today, I would like to look at these three things and ask this question of all of us. How are we doing living with an eternal perspective? Right? What, what is God challenging you with? What is he challenging me with? Like, hey, here's an area where I think you could grow in this area. Maybe make some changes and You know, so are we focusing on the seen or the unseen as we go through life? 
Because what God does spiritually in us now, we take with us to heaven, right? When, when we get to heaven, we know there's no more tears, no more sorrow, no more death. It's beautiful. But it's through the trouble, it's true that through the struggles that we go here on life, right? That's how the rough edges get rubbed off us. There's nothing rubbing rough edges off of you when you get to heaven. Like so, so living with an eternal perspective is saying, God, what do you want to accomplish in me now? Lord Jesus, have your way, right? That's focusing on the unseen. And it's a battle, but it's a battle we can win. It's not, it's not something you give up your hands and, and give up. No, we're, we're in a fight, but he gives us the desire and the power to do his will. And lastly, it's a choice, right? We all have that choice to make. And, and I pray for all of us, right? It, it does scare me when I look at that scripture because I, I don't ever want to feel like someone's walking into this building or, or coming up, joining us online or, or reading a Bible plan thinking they're doing good and that must mean something. That must get them credit for something because it isn't about credit. It's about surrender, right? We don't get credit in God's kingdom like the pluses are, are bigger than the minus column. No, it's about surrender to him and giving him our life and then he fills us and, and we live and, and there's fruit that comes. So would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Father God, we, we come to you today. Lord, and, and we think about these three things. Lord, what are we focusing on? How are we, how are we fighting this battle? Are we, are we lights in darkness? Or are we just more like the darkness than, than like the light? God, which servant do we represent? The good and faithful one or, or the evil one? Lord, but we, we want to live life in such a way that, that we live it with, it with eyes on eternity, God. That, that we're watching the signs and we understand a red sky at night versus a red sky in the morning in a spiritual sense, Lord. Not just a physical sense. We, we want to see these signs, Lord. We want to be in tune with what your Spirit's doing. So, so God, would you wake us up? Lord, if, if we've been sitting too long during this pandemic, Father, wake us up. Shake us. Lord, get us looking up again. Get us standing up. Lord, get us watching and, and understanding and, and being faithful and being fruitful, Lord, in what you've called us to do. So I pray your presence in a greater measure, Lord, for each one of us, Lord. God, I pray for more love, for more power, for more of your spirit in each one of our lives. Lord Jesus, we surrender to you today. We say, come, Lord Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for joining online. You all have a great day. God bless.